0: And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Starrett, an attorney at Malkin Baker and your host this afternoon. In honor of the 4th of July, we're going to talk with attorney and scholar David Shistokas about the Declaration of Independence. Uh, David is the author of several books, including Constitutional Soundbites, which grew from his weekly radio show, Constitutionally Speaking. And David's... Uh, Another book that he's written is entitled "Creating the Declaration of Independence." Uh, David, so glad you could join us this afternoon.
1: I'm happy to be here, Noel. This is a, a tremendous opportunity to talk about some important founding documents.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, as as attorneys, we uh, we like legal documents, uh, we like the Constitution, uh, but that doesn't mean everybody else in, in our country. Um, knows about the Constitution or knows about the Declaration of Independence, especially to the level uh, at which you write about them. Uh, before we take a, a, a look at your books and kind of what you were able to unpack and and expose and go into, uh, which I, I just really enjoyed. So thank you so much for for writing them. But tell us what inspired you as a Chicago attorney uh, to go into this venture about writing about the Constitution and, and the Declaration of Independence. What what drove this passion?
1: In the first instance, as you and I have talked, I was invited to make a Constitution Day presentation to a high school in southwest Florida where I had been. I'm also licensed in Florida as well as Illinois. And the first question I asked the sophomore American history class was, what year was the country founded? And the answer I got was 1700. The next answer I got was 1800, and it took us a while to zero in on 1776. And after that, I actually asked uh, what I thought would be a kind of a simple question, too. What day was it? And we took a while to zero in on that as well. And eventually I had to go. Hot dogs, hamburgers, barbecues, fireworks. And then the kids went, oh, 4th of July. And I did four more classes that day. That's about seven years ago and when i walked out of the building that day i said i'm going to try and do what i can to overcome some of this lack of knowledge uh in the in the current generation and in in americans generally about the first principles of america
0: yeah and i think that's uh that is certainly telling and i don't know if that's everybody else's experience in terms of Um, When you deal with children or uh, just even people in your community, whether or not they really understand some of these really important – the the framework of America, how we got to be uh, America, the birth of our country, uh, things I think that we perhaps took for granted generations ago, and now we can't take for granted any longer because the new generations need to know – and I think that's one of the things that I was just so struck by in your, your book, Creating the Declaration of Independence. You really do a great job of drawing out why this was so new, why this was so momentous, why this was such a, a genius of, of Thomas Jefferson and some of the other founding fathers, what they brought to the table, the perspective they brought, what it cost them. And I really would like, over the course of the show, to get into that. You know, what, what What were they looking at? Why was this different than anything else that we've seen in all of world history? And so let's start there. Um, when you look at the Declaration of Independence, you know, there have been numerous declarations throughout world history. Uh, why is the Declaration of Independence different?
1: The Declaration of Independence is different because, um, well, the book explains how Jefferson went through history looking for precedents. For what was about to take place when he got this assignment to uh, draft the Declaration. And as he'd gone through history, uh, back as long as uh, 400 years previously to tracing back to the English uh, Bill of Rights in 1689, he found that really what was happening when people would separate uh, from their previous organization of government, if you will, all they really ever did was exchange one. Tyrant, one monarch, one chief, one sultan, one one despot for another one, for a new one, and the despots and sultans uh, traded uh, people and uh, they traded population, sort of like a game of Stratego. Mm-hmm. And when Jefferson put together these principles, founded on the law of nature and nature's God, and the self-evident truth that all men are created equal. And the last part of that 55 words that became the American Creed, the consent of the governed, this was the first time in the history, in human history, of perhaps of 10,000 years, that people were not exchanging one monarch for another, but rather exchanging a monarch for self-government.
0: This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Staird of law firm Malkin Baker. Today we're we're with attorney, author, and scholar David about the, and we're talking about his book uh, The Declaration of Independence, creating uh, the Declaration of Independence. Um, And when they wrote this declaration, when Thomas Jefferson along with John Adams uh, with some input from Ben Franklin and others wrote this uh, declaration, there was a lot at stake I mean, we are talking, they weren't just writing this in isolation um, for some academic purpose. Uh, I think uh, they understood that this meant something very significant, not only for a country, but for their own lives. For
1: themselves personally, uh, one of the people that follows, uh, that we follow through the creating the Declaration of Independence, which is kind of the way the the book lays out, is kind of you follow the people and the thoughts and the, the meetings that they have to come up with the Declaration of Independence, and one of the crucial players that nobody ever hears about is a fellow by the name of Richard Henry Lee. Uh, And Richard Henry Lee was a Virginia delegate to the Second Continental Congress, like Jefferson. And Mr. Lee was designated as the one to actually propose independence to the Continental Congress, which they had avoided forever, even mentioning the word independence. You can trace back some to a variety of writings, 1760, another famous lawyer, to those of us that know James Otis. Uh, they all went out of their way to say nice things about the king. Sure. Uh, while they were complaining about the king, they went out of their way to say nice things because the penalty for treason was terrible. Um, you were going to be drawn and quartered. You were going to be disemboweled while you were still alive. Uh, you are going to be burned at the stake, and ultimately you are going to have your head cut off and put on a spit. Uh, and so these are, this was the kind of thing that was going through Richard Henry Lee's mind when he was going to be the first one to publicly, in a political forum, uh, propose, in, propose the independence of the American, uh, American colonies. And there's a story in the book that tells you that while these things sound really terrible – Sometimes we know there's penalties in the law that nobody ever gets because they're so bad. Right. Uh, in this situation, everybody was familiar with Dr. Joseph Warren. Dr. Joseph Warren was uh, John Adams' personal physician. He was a general in the Massachusetts militia, had been the president of the Massachusetts Provincial Council. And subsequent to the Battle of Bunker Hill, there were British execution squads that went around to make sure that the uh, patriots were dead and Dr. Warren was among them who had taken a musket ball to his eye, and the British execution squad, in fact, had mutilated Dr. Warren's body and, in fact, cut off his head and cut off his head and put it on a spit for display. So when these guys ultimately pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor, they knew personally that this was not some pie in the sky or some... Unbelievable
0: penalty that they might not suffer. So, when we're talking about the birth of this country, it was certainly with, uh, or even in the writing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, it was with full knowledge that what they were declaring was going to put them at odds uh, with the king in such a way as that they were going to find themselves next in line. Um, you know, if it were to come to that. And I think one of the other things that your your book uh, draws out, which is very helpful, is when um, by this time there were already battles between uh, uh, the British Army and uh, and basically American citizens, um, you know, with Lexington and Concord and and Bunker Hill. And uh, Thomas Jefferson had to write this declaration in such a way as to explain to the men uh, who he essentially, who were already fighting, or the men that would be called to fight a war of independence, uh, why they were going to be fighting and the just grounds for doing that. So I would like you, if you could, to unpack that a little bit.
1: That's absolutely correct. Jefferson and – there's a scene with Jefferson and Adams at City Tavern, uh, which uh, John Adams said most of the business that they got done did happen at City Tavern rather than in the confines of the Continental Congress. And there's a scene with uh, Jefferson and Adams where they're describing the various audiences that this declaration must, uh, must address. And so the Jefferson – was very, very good at taking very complicated things and, and packing them very, very uh, succinctly. And they had the audience of the, obviously, the, the British and the British Parliament. They had the audience of potential international allies. They had the audience of George Washington and his uh, his army. And then they had the audience of the American people generally. And these are the four kinds of things that Jefferson had to address to under see to it that they understood what was uh, what, what this was all about, and some twenty thirty years later, uh, somebody asked Thomas what uh, what he was trying to do, and he ultimately said, "I'm just trying to explain the common sense of the matter."
0: Yeah, the common sense of the matter, and uh, not only the common sense of the matter, but the conviction by which an, uh, this country was to be founded, because uh, it, it it is um, certainly easy as a father, I, I can attest, it's much easier to say, look. I just want to keep my family safe. I just want to make sure I can keep my job. Um, there's a self-preservation. And really what uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Continental Congress, after they uh, approved the declaration, what they were approving was a call to arms, a call to independence, and and a way of saying, look, we have to sacrifice. Uh, we have to put our fortunes at stake, our lives at stake, uh, to break this up. Um, so coming up, we're already up to the break Uh, We're going to talk further about the Declaration of Independence, Um, some other provisions uh, that I think are very important, uh, particularly the law of nature and nature's God, what that means. I'm Noel Stard of Malcolm Baker. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus. Our guest is Dave Shostokas, and we're talking about his book, Creating the Declaration of Independence. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Sterk, partner of the law firm Mauk & Baker. We're a Christian law firm in Chicago. If you have legal needs, or if your church or ministry has legal needs, give us a call, 312-726-1243, or look us up online at maukbaker.com. Today, we are talking with David Christokas, author of the book, Creating the Declaration of Independence. David, this is... Such a fascinating topic. I loved reading your book. Before we get into the substance of it, please tell people where they can find out more about the book. Order the books. Uh, you have another book could, uh, that just came out, Constitutional Soundbites, um, both of the books. I haven't read the new one, but uh, Creating the Declaration of Independence, I can highly recommend, and uh, tell people where they can find out more about you, your work, and your writings. Well, they can join my 125,000 Twitter followers at
1: Shestokas, S H E S T O. K-A-S. Both books, uh, Constitutional Soundbites and Creating the Declaration of Independence, are available on Amazon in both Kindle and print. You can get those both in hard copy, and you can find out more about the books at my own site, juststokas.com, S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S.com, where I've got about 185 different articles that covers everything from the uh, from Article One through the 27th Amendment on uh, the entire bit of the Constitution, and uh, it, which brings me to something else. I know you're going to get to some other things, but the you asked me originally where I was did some of this, and I was a Cook County prosecutor, and then I did a lot of criminal defense work. And the fact is, is that about seventy percent of the Bill of Rights is related to criminal procedure in mm-hmm. one one shape, way, shape, or form. Sure. And so I lived with the Constitution day in and day out for. Pretty close to 30 years in a courtroom. And, you know, probably this is what you do for a living too. And there's this assumption we're in a bit of a bubble and you sort of think that this is everybody's world. Mm -hmm. And I I had that rude awakening to, to show me that it wasn't everybody's world and that it was really, really important. And I wound up doing creating the Declaration of Independence because as I studied more and more of this, I figured out that there's people carry around a copy of the Constitution, and they say, but the fact is, is nobody went to war in World War II so that the uh, president would serve four years of uh, office, right? Uh, or the, there'd be two years of an election. They, would, they went to war because of the principles that the Constitution executed from the Declaration of Independence, and you can't really understand the Constitution without some concept of what the Declaration of Independence is, and that's why. I found uh, creating a, the Declaration of Independence to be really, really important. We have to get back to that. That's, that's the starting place. That's the starting place.
0: Yeah, and I, I, let's talk about the starting place, at least where Thomas Jefferson started. Uh, and I think this is a good transition to that. Uh, in the Declaration of Independence, uh, Thomas Jefferson uses uh, a phraseology that I think is so critical and, and so succinct, as you, as you put it. Uh, the law of nature and nature's God. Um, You know, in today's society, we have, we struggle with, you know, plenty of people that don't believe in God or definitely don't believe in the Judeo-Christian God. Um, But yet Thomas Jefferson starts with the law of nature and nature's God. What was Thomas Jefferson getting at there and why was that so important? It was very, very important because they were doing
1: away with the tradition of what had always been why government was organized. Government had previously been organized either on power, on threats of power, uh, dictatorships, and things of that nature. If he was going to wind up with a legitimate reason for the United States, he had to find and to where we were going to be a law of, a, men, a nation of laws rather than a nation of men. We needed to start have a starting point, and that starting point needed to be something that men could not change. Something transcendent. Something transcendent. Uh, beyond what men what men could do, and Jefferson did something really really really, really succinct and clever in a way that he covered everybody with those two with those eight words because you 're saying people that don 't believe in god uh, we 've gotten away from that, and the society 's been secularized in uh, in so many ways, but when you talk about the law of nature. The law of nature is observable, scientific, measurable. Uh, you, you know, it's like if a uh, government wanted to repeal the law of gravity in its mm-hmm. in its territory, it can't be done. Right? It can't be done. Uh, if a government wanted to repeal the desire of any human being to be free, it can't be done. And that's 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 the starting point for. And you can you can observe that. You can see that. So it it's just useless for a government ultimately to do that a great example is the 18th amendment uh, and uh, the only amendment to be repealed was the only amendment to restrict liberty and that's why it never that's why it could never it could never work so the law of nature is definable for even the non-believers but the fact is is it comes out the same place as the law of nature's God which is derived from divine inspiration from the writings from Scripture, from uh, philosophers like St. Thomas Aquinas, who had uh, put that together and kind of uh, kind of summarized the, those principles in terms of that every human being had worth and had value because they were created in God's image. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning of the self-evident truth uh, that uh, all men are created equal.
0: You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Noel Stared of Malcolm Baker. If you're just tuning in, we're da- talking with David Shistokas about the law of nature and nature's God, as it was written um, by Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence. And again, where can they find out about your book, Creating the Declaration of Independence and Constitutional Soundbites, your new book?
1: On uh, Amazon.com. They're both available in Kindle and in the uh, in the print editions. Uh, absolutely. And so... Of course, we want to see about creating the Declaration of Independence because people do remember the fireworks and they remember the hot dogs and they remember the hamburgers. These days, unfortunately, too many people do not know why we have fireworks, hot dogs, and hamburgers.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really important because, you know, as I'm raising my children, uh, the 8-, 5-year-old, uh, the 2-year-old, uh, you know, they don't know. They just are enjoying the benefits of America. You know, then that's what a child does. But there comes a point where we have to pass on to them: here are the priorities, here are the principles. These, this is what makes this country great. Um, what would you say to the parents out there that are listening, uh, in terms of what they can do um, to help the next generation value the things that our founding fathers valued uh, at the, you know, at the risk of their own lives, um, and the the revolutionary soldiers when they left their families. Um, to do this. What would you say to those parents? What can they do to make sure that we understand uh, why we're here, why we have the freedoms that we do?
1: We are here to ultimately live out the law of nature, and nature is God, and to see to it that self-government turns out to be respectful of each other Mm -hmm. uh, and not to impose, because something I don't think, the the word rights is thrown around way too much these days. Uh, with rights come duties and obligations, uh, as opposed to say a government benefit or privilege. Uh, we've uh, we've lost the meaning of the word rights. Uh, we've lost uh, we've lost meanings of what uh, these uh, these guys understood in the 18th century about uh, about freedom. And I would also suggest that uh, people need to be armed with the ability to defend the founding and the founding fathers uh, in some respects who've been under attack for many, many years, primarily by those who don't want to see, don't want to live under the limits that comes with self-government that you, because when you have a right, you have an obligation to respect somebody else's right. Mm-hmm. And there's people that don't want to do that, and they've gone out of their way to dismiss uh, a bunch of a bunch of old white guys, slave owners, which um, and the richest guy among them, by the way, Ben Franklin didn't never owned a slave, and was the head of the uh, Pennsylvania Abolition Society. And uh, Jefferson actually had a section about the slave trade and getting rid of it during the Declaration that was stricken from uh, from his his Declaration. He had proposals to. Uh, lead to the extension regarding the Virginia Convention, uh, the brand-new Virginia Constitution that was being drafted at the time. But I think what people don't realize is what the state of the world had been for 10,000 years before uh, these self-evident truths were put forward as a stand against tyranny and despotism um, ever since. Sure. Ever since. They don't understand that that changed – that changed the, uh, changed the equation, uh, and it gave inspiration to have Dr. Martin Luther King do the things that he was able to do.
0: And the Declaration of Independence, uh, I think in, you write in your book, has actually gone on to be replicated or copied over 100 times by different countries in, in, since then. Is that uh,
1: that's, that's correct. There's now 100, about 194 countries in the world since uh, 1776, and of those, more than 100 came into being with an announcement that was modeled upon Jefferson's work in the
0: Declaration of Independence. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, again, we can't get into all that's in the book, and this was really a teaser. I, I really hope you go out and uh, pick up the Creating the Declaration of Independence or uh, the new book, Constitutional Soundbites. Uh, follow uh, Shostokas at Twitter. Yeah, at Shostokas. At, Shistokis. at Shistokis. Uh, how How do you spell that? It's S H E S T O. K-A-S. It's Lithuanian. There you go. Uh, and this is, this is a, great, a great book, great set of books. I think you should go out and uh, get the book. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate you um, making time uh, to do this, for carrying on um, kind of this educational thing that we need to do with each generation.
1: We need to do it with each generation. We need to do it with each other.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, and if you have a legal need or a question and a want uh, the perspective of a Christian attorney uh, in the Chicagoland area, just give us a call at Malkin Baker. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R. Uh, our phone number is 312-726-1243. I'm also on Twitter, which is at Noel W. Sterrett. Um, we're just here to really to serve... Uh, The community Uh, We're here to serve And defend the Constitution We have civil liberties cases So I have just really appreciated This opportunity Tune in next week At Lawyers for Jesus Radio Uh, We'll have another guest on To talk about How faith is being used In in the law And in the marketplace And how other people Are taking the Constitution And uh, helping our community And pass this on To the next generation Gonna have to serve somebody Yes indeed Let's have some money.